0: This is episode 40 of Outlander Cast with Mary and Blake. All the way from Providence, Rhode Island, welcome to Outlander Cast. It's a podcast dedicated to the show Outlander on Stars. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Outlander Cast. I'm your host, Mary Larson. My name's Blake, and I love—I freaking, freaking
1: love geeking out on history.
0: Good as you should. You have a degree in history, <laughs> so I really hope you'd
1: love it. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much what I did with my entire early life was just to study history, all—all all to no avail, by the way, because my my profession has nothing to do with my degree. So,
0: and yet you can utilize that degree on episodes like this. And thank goodness, Outlander is just so rich of historical context. And for me, I was a music major. Mm I did not study history too much, and I actually found it quite boring. Oh! I, I did, I did. I'm not going to lie. Oh. I much prefer learning about things because I read about them in fun books like Outlander, or I learned some things about, uh, you know, the Tudors when I watched The Tudors, for example. <laughs> so, I luckily married a historian. Yes, you did, and he likes to teach me things. So I have read the Outlander series. Mm-hmm. Blake has not. Nope. But I know history from what I've read of the books, but when it comes to history from when I was taught it back in school, I don't really know what I'm talking about. So (laughs) today's episode is a French history episode, and of course, everything that we're going to be saying is spoiler-free. We're not going to be including Jamie and Claire in this. Not really, no. Yeah, no, I mean, like literally, just a little. This is to set the scene. So, for those right. of you who are non-book readers, as always, you are completely welcome in our episodes because we are spoiler-free. But we want to have some backstory about what's been going on in France. Right. The idea,
1: well, as I drink my beer, a Midas touch, by the way. So this is going to be a very fun episode. The idea is while everybody is looking forward to season two, and I am too, I am as well. The idea is to look a little bit back to give you guys some context as to what is happening around Jamie and Claire when they are in France, when they are there, who they are dealing with, why they are dealing with those people and why those people are actually there and what will happen to them once Jamie and Claire leave and where france is going and so we we went back at like uh, in in the beginning of season 1b and did an episode about the jacobite rebellion and the jacobite people and the in the jacobite party and what the whole history of that and how the jacobites were formed so i think we're going to do this companion piece to help again give some more context so we, we will begin this lesson if you will starting uh with um I would say, in the early 1700s. And it will mainly focus all the way up until about 1815. Uh, so it will pretty much traverse the entire 18th century. Although, we will also go over some context about what happens in the 20th century as well and why France is today where it is today.
0: Okay. My mind's already <laughs> getting nervous. That's a lot of ground to cover, buddy. It
1: is, it is. But, you know, the... Not unlike the Jacobite History podcast or the episode there aren't as many, (laughs) there aren't as many Jameses (laughs) and there aren't as many like other names and everything that we have to go back and forth on, we're going to pretty much stick to the 18th century, which will make it much easier for all of us and all of you listening. So hopefully you do not fall asleep as we rant and rave.
0: I will not allow it. And
1: hopefully Mary keeps my nerdiness in check uh, like she did in the Jacobite History podcast. But for you, our dear listeners, we decided, hey, let's get some context here to France. And let's talk about it. My love, are you ready to get into the history of 18th century France? Wee oui, wee. Oui. All right. Let's... <laughs> <laughs> That's how it's going to go. I, I can just feel it already. I can just. Oh, okay, here we go. So today we begin talking, like we said, about France and French history, if you're not familiar with it, is absolutely fascinating, especially early modern French history. Now, early modern French history, you could probably trace back to the 16th, 1600s, which would be the 17th or maybe 16th centuries. That's where you could probably trace it back to. But what we're talking about here, again, is the 18th century, which is in the 17th. Hundreds. I
0: hate how they say that, by the way. It just messes <laughs> with me. The 17th century should just be the 1700s.
1: I understand where you're coming from on that one.
0: Anyway, I digress.
1: <laughs> so we will today be talking about the 17th, 18th century. You got me messed up now. What's up with you? What just, are you doing to me? Just here? say the 1700s. <laughs> so to get an idea of how crazy French history has been from the 1700s until now, I mean, it's basically been like House of Cards. If any of you have ever watched House of Cards on Netflix, it's pretty much a real life version of that—the the, the intrigue and the betrayal and the power-hungry people and the killing and the deaths and the the overthrow of governments and like it's like a soap opera. So, but to get an idea of how many governments and how many ruling bodies of there have been of France since pretty much well from I, i'd say from the 16th century all the way till present day so so we'll start with the first monarchy which we will talk about there have been 10 different governments in France since the 1700s okay so i'm
0: confused you're saying 10 different governments are you saying like
1: Okay, So, yeah. so but, we
0: have, like, the president, and we've had the president since right. 1776. Have right. you said that they've, like, you know, along the years, been like, you know, we don't really like the president kind of thing? Yep. Let's have kings instead. Right. And then they were like,
1: nah, Nah, man. we're going to do something different. We're going to do this.
0: Okay. So, so that's the, what you mean by so government. So basically,
1: the, the United States, from 1776 now, well, uh, they, they've essentially had two forms of government because you had the Articles of Confederation, and then you have the, the then you have the Constitution, whatever you're the, losing me. Whatever. So <laughs> essentially, the United <laughs> States has been run on one form of government, right? Democracy since 1790. Yeah, it's it's the democracy. It's the president. It's the Congress. Everything that we know today, it's been like that since pretty much 1790 or 1780. Yeah, 1790. Anyway, France has gone through ten different forms of government. And we'll just go over the list real quick. They started off with a monarchy, the one that we all know in Outlander. It's under King Louis, right? Okay. Then they go to a a republic, kind of like what we have right now. And then they say, nah, we're going to make an empire.
0: Ooh, that's fun.
1: And that was uh, instilled by Napoleon Bonaparte, who we all know as Napoleon. Then they decided, Man, Napoleon ain't cool anymore, so we're going to go back to the king. We're going to make a monarchy Okay. And then they said, nah, king sucks, bro. We're going to make a second republic.
0: Yeah, well, the people choose? And
1: that was in 1848. And then in 1852, they decided, nah, the republic sucks again. We're going to make an empire again. <laughs> so That's they had another emperor. four
0: years later. I know.
1: So it was uh, uh, King, Louis, uh, King Louis Napoleon Bonaparte. That was not Napoleon that we know, but it, whatever. And then they decided, nah, the empire ain't working for us. Then they make a third republic. Okay. And then World War II happens, and France was taken over by Germany. And then Germany and the French people that were uh, uh, basically held, cap- well, not held captive, but they were uh, part of the German government. They were running France. Mm-hmm. They called it the Vichy French or Vichy France.
0: What does that mean?
1: I don't know what the hell that means. Things but very Vichy. <laughs> but it's, it was not a good thing. Mm. And, but, but Vichy France was what they ran, the, 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 the Vichy government ran France in 1940, all the way until 1946 when they said, we're going to make a fourth republic. And then they decided, well, the people who run this government suck. So then in 1958, they made a fifth freaking republic. Why didn't
0: they just have an election? Why would they have to make a different republic?
1: Well, because they wanted to reform and, and reestablish what the governments were. So they've had the fifth republic from 1958 until now. Okay. Okay, so they've got a, a fairly decent amount of time here yeah. with the fifth republic. This
0: one might stay for a while.
1: But So what I'm getting at here is French history is just rife with all of these political intrigues and all of these killings and everything and and it's absolutely fascinating and we we could spend an entire podcast series talking about French history but we're not going to good again we're only (laughs) going to talk (laughs) we're only going to talk about the 18th century and for you my love that is the 1700s
0: just tell me what I got to know about Jamie right okay I need to know what he's getting himself into
1: (laughs) essentially the 18th century for France
0: meaning the 1700s meaning
1: the 1700s was the beginning of the end of the France that Jamie is walking into the France that Jamie is walking into is a fabulous freaking place Ooh. it's full of art and uh, forward thinking and um, rich as hell money just pouring out it's like Las Vegas just pouring 20s anywhere you go you get lunch it's a 20 you get a you get a limo ride it's a 20 you know you, 20s growing everywhere and France is at the height of Of its power. I mean, I mean, well, you could argue probably that France was at at its real height of power in under Napoleon, which which is in in the 1800s. Which is, I, I will go there. But for the most part, this is when France is at its best. It's the prime of French history, right here. They are no one is stronger than France, not even England. But this is the time when it starts to begin to end all of this everything starts to roll down a hill and it starts with the guy who was King prior to who we we are going to see in Outlander we are going to see King Louis the 15th in okay. Outlander right yes all right before King Louis the 15th there was King Louis the 14th
0: easy to remember
1: easy to remember this guy is also known as the Sun King. And the Sun King, King Louis XIV, is a pretty badass dude. He gets it. He fights wars outside of France. He does all this uh, expansionism. He's spending money left and right. And then King Louis XV comes into play.
0: Was he like the Moon King?
1: (laughs) The Moon King. Oh, my God. No, he was not the Moon King. He didn't have a nickname. No, well, he did have a nickname, but we'll, we'll get into that later. Anyway, the idea is this. King Louis XV comes into power, he eventually dies, King Louis XVI comes into power, and things start to really get derailed because of a lot of the things that King Louis the Fifteenth started doing. It started going down a path with 14, got worse with 15, and then 16 happened, and it was like, dude, this is bad news, and then the French Revolution happens in the 1790s. When, you know, and the French Revolution is, <laughs> it's a crazy thing. Like, we talk about the American Revolution here, and we say, oh, you know, it's the United States, and we're fighting England, and it's crazy, and it's this little teeny tiny 13 colonies against this big supernatural unbelievable power that, that controls the world, essentially. But the French Revolution was more like a civil war. They, they just fought each other. I mean, there were other things that happened around the French Revolution and there were other countries that came into play and all that other stuff. But you could argue that the French Revolution, because of all the things that came out of it, all the ideas of uh, of socialism and liberty and freedom and uh, Napoleon and eventually what became the French Empire and how that molded the world around it, it's probably one of the most significant Historical events in Western society.
0: Do you hear the people sing, singing the songs of angry men? That's what I know about French history. Well,
1: we're we're getting there, as a matter of fact. So, the French Revolution ended up bringing you know a dictatorship under Napoleon. That's who ended up taking over France Where after the French Revolution. What what years? So we're talking. The French Revolution started to be- began oh, 1780. With Louis XVI or Louis seventeen. After Louis the Sixteenth. Okay. OK, so after in like 1790, um, it, it, the French Revolution didn't take place in one year. It didn't take place over a, a specific amount of like two weeks. It, that, this French Revolution lasted really from 1789, 1790, all the way till about 1799, 1800. That's how far reaching the French Revolution is. So, it, basically, it was just this really big popular event. And we all know, you like, you know who Marie Antoinette is, right? Yeah. She was the queen of France.
0: Wasn't she let them eat cake?
1: Yes. So, in 1792... Off with her head. Right. Thank you very, very much. And Marie Antoinette plays a very important role in what we will be talking about for Outlander Times. So, in 1792, she, the queen... And King Louis XVI were beheaded uh, as a result of trying to get rid of the French uh, king, like the French kings. So, <laughs> of course, we all know Marie Antoinette, made famous by Kirsten Dunst in that awful Marie Antoinette movie. Hated that movie. Anyway, this gives way to... Uh, the, the Reign of Terror and Robespierre. Who's this guy? Robespierre was this lawyer who basically ran France with this with this like uh, um, in, in the First Republic, and it was like the Directory of people and it was like this group of people who ran France. And Robespierre killed a whole bunch of old monarchists, and it was a lot of blood. They called it the Reign of Terror, which eventually, of course, gave way to Napoleon and the beginning of the French Empire. And then ended in 1815 with the French Empire. And we all know 1815 as the beginning of one famous story called Les Miserables. And uh, that was when Jean Valjean became, got out of prison, which was in 1815. So this is the general direction of what happened to France from the 1700s all the way to the beginning of the 1800s. So to, get, to let you understand the beginning of the monarchy who was running it, the king, where it went, and why the French Revolution happened. It was bad news. And it went from that to the First Republic. And then from there, they created the empire. And then the empire ends, and then and that's the empire that. strikes back. And then the empire strikes back. So again, this is the general direction. So what I want to talk about first, though, is outlander times. In outlander times, France was ruled by a king and queen. It starts off with King Louis Fourteenth. Again, the Sun King, the guy who was a pretty much a badass in France. He's like the most beloved king in France, right? Mm-hmm. And the French kings, like English kings that we talked about in the Jacobite History podcast, the French kings believe in this thing called the divine right of kings. Now, my love, do you know what the divine right of kings is?
0: It sounds like God told me I can do whatever I want.
1: Pretty much. Pretty much. Essentially, it means that the French kings and the English kings believed that they were given all of the authority, not by the people, but by God himself to rule over their people. And this really happened with, again, with England and Catholic countries, Protestant countries. This is what they used to give religious justification to why they are who they are and why they are why they are
0: okay so you're just saying hello little peon people i know you're upset with the world but god told me i'm in charge so and if you don't listen to me
1: god will smite you oh
0: man why didn't anyone little say that right back oh well you know what God told me I'm in charge, <laughs> and they say it like that. God told me I'm in charge. I could just picture a little farmer with a with a little you know running around with a Boston pitchfork. accent. I'm
1: in charge. I'm in charge. <laughs> don't don't tell me what to do,
0: <laughs> Louis.
1: <laughs> Louis, you suck, bro. Anyway, but that's so the, the Sun God number fourteen. He believed number fourteen. He believes in the divine right of kings. Okay, and as a matter of fact, he, King Louis the Fourteenth, he ended up. Um, propagating this idea of what's called absolute monarchy. Now, we talked about the divine right of kings. That is the religious justification of his rule, right? It's That's what God says he should do. But then there's this other thing called absolute monarchy. Now, absolute monarchy could also be known as despotic monar- monarchy.
0: I don't know what any of that means.
1: Well, I'm going to tell you. It's a form of government run by a king or a monarch and that monarch has absolute power among his or her people the absolute monarch wields unrestricted political power over the sovereign state of whatever country that they're in and its people they are most likely headed hereditary like we talked about uh in the Jacobite history podcast but the you know they are they can be the the, the monarchies can be created in different ways too So what I'm saying is this, the king, King Louis,
0: number number 14,
1: 14. King Louis XIV says, I run this place. God says I run this place. And not only that, I am in charge of everything. And if you don't like my decisions, go get your shine box, essentially.
0: Like move? Does he say they can move? You
1: can, well, I mean, if you want to move, you can move, but- he makes all the decisions. Any decision that he makes, makes any declaration that he makes. it's, it's, it's
0: He doesn't it's, have to get a bill signed and have no. it approved by Congress and have people vote on it on November 4th. Okay. Right. He just says, I want to ban chocolate and chocolate is from now on banned.
1: Right. So countries that actually still have uh, monarchy, uh, absolute monarchs right now. People still do? Yeah. Um, countries like Qatar in Oman, and Saudi Arabia, uh, the United Arab, Arab Emirates, and one Vatican City is an absolute monarchy power. So France and Louis XIV, right? Louis XIV runs France, yeah. and he is the absolute monarchy, absolute power in France. France's absolute monarchy, during outlander times with Louis and, his, and Louis XV and Louis XVI, they, these guys are known, or their family is the Bourbon family. It's under the house of Bourbon.
0: That's just their last name? Right. That's the best last name ever. <laughs> so,
1: in other words, this is the French version of what we talked about in the Jacobite History podcast. In in England, they had the Tudors, they had the Stuarts, and now, as a matter of fact, still to this very day, they have the Hanoverians.
0: Oh, with Kate and Will.
1: Kate and, Kate and Will? <laughs> Who's Kate and Will? You mean Kate and...
0: Oh, will? Yeah, William. Who did you think she married? Oh my
1: God, I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> Charles? I know. Yeah, right. I'm like, will? Who's will? I'm sorry. I think I'm used. To, I'm used to Prince William.
0: I know. I know. You See, know? I I'm close with but you're, you're on it. No. Yeah, fr- <laughs> friends right. of the
1: show, Kate and Will. <laughs> <laughs> so the House of Bourbon, right? Just like how we talked about earlier. Again, like we said, Tudor, Tudor, the Tudors and the Stuarts and and the Hanoverians. This was a French royal house family. And they basically started taking power in the 16th century of France.
0: Okay. So Hold that's up. in the 1500s. So this is before number 14.
1: Right. I'm just giving you a basic history of the Bourbon So of the, the Bourbon, Bourbon family.
0: family was like big time. We've got money. We've got power. And soon one of our kids is going to be king.
1: Right. So- it from basically from the mid-16th century, which is in the 1500s, all the way till 1792, the Bourbons ruled France, OK? There's lots of different Harrys and Louis, but we're going to stick to what really matters. And again, Louis XIV, otherwise known as the Sun King, was the most badass of them. Louis XIV ran France for 72.
0: Years. That is a long time. So, I would have wanted to retire by
1: then. Right. I know, I, and I wouldn't have blamed you. Mm-hmm. He ran it pretty much from almost his birth, moved to Florida, till his death. So, <laughs> actually, Florida was con- was controlled by Spain at that time. Um, so, Again,
0: mo- yoga classes, you know. So,
1: in King Louis the 14th's reign, it was a lot of pomp and circumstance. There were a lot of wars. He racked up a lot of debt. Many loved him and who was he fighting? Why many, did he care
0: to fight so many people? He was just
1: trying to expand France okay. all over. So he's fighting the English, he's fighting the Germans. Well what at at the time are Germanic people. There was no Germany at that time. But he in, in Italy, he's fighting all over these places, right?
0: He just wants land.
1: He just wants land. He wants to expand France. He took an expansionist policy. Problem is he died in seventeen fifteen. Okay. So he rules from oh I don't know it was the early the mid 1600s all the way to 1715.
0: Yeah, he worked until he died. Poor thing.
1: <laughs> so he left France.
0: He didn't plan for retirement. He
1: he didn't yeah he didn't plan for retirement because you want to know what he did well he kind of did but you don't want to know what he did he left France to a committee of people a committee of fourteen people.
0: Caw, watch out.
1: I know and this is not good because it was that committee of fourteen people was led by this guy by the name of Duke of Orleans now I I'm sure there's a French way of saying it but I'm American so I'm gonna say Orleans okay and the Duke of Orleans was going to rule until Louis Xiv's great grandson who Whoa. eventually becomes Louis the 15th was to, to become of age. now this is the guy who rules during the Outlander story
0: Louis the 15th Louis or the 15th Orleans yes
1: right? So when we see Jamie in the episode, he will be dealing with King, an, uh, an aged version of King Louis the 15th.
0: And what stinks is he didn't get to know his grandfather that Not much. Not
1: really, because this he the, the, the great-grandfather dies when Louis-
0: Great-grandfather? Not right. even just grandfather?
1: No. Louis the 14th dies when Louis the 15th was five years old.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Okay. So, King Louis the Fifteenth becomes king when he is five. Now, of course, you can't be king when you're five. You have to, you know, so, grow up a little bit. So, Orleans was his babysitter. So, now, what Orleans is kind of his babysitter, but, but the official term is regent. Mm-hmm. France was ruled by this committee, and the guy who was in charge of it, who was the regent, and that is the Duke of Orleans. Got it? Mm-hmm. All right, great. So... <sighs> Louis XV, when he eventually does become king, you know, he starts off really well. And then as time goes along, which we're going to get into, things start to go pretty awry for King Louis Fifteenth, And he gets into wars. He spends a lot more money, just like Louis Fourteenth, And for the most part, people don't really like Louis Fifteenth. Why
0: not? Because
1: he was a womanizer. And he pretty much ignored his people <laughs> for the most part towards the end of his reign and let people starve and the money and the economy fell apart during, in France at this time. Well, which
0: Orleans did not teach him very well. Well,
1: Orleans did what he could. And you know what he did do? The Duke of Orleans decided, I have to run this country, but in the meantime... I'm going to put this guy, a, a bishop, in charge of King Louis XV. This bishop is pretty much going to tutor King Louis XV. Okay. Right? And he's pretty much going to tutor him until Louis XV comes of age, till he, till he realizes, oh, I'm, I'm old enough to be king now. Probably in his early 20s. That's when he's able to become king. This guy, his name is Bishop Flory. All right. Now, Bishop Flory is a good, smart, quiet man. who He loved art. He was very fiscally responsible. And most of all, he loved peace. He didn't want to fight anybody. Didn't want to have didn't want to have wars. He didn't see the point in them. He learned from Louis XIV. Because Louis XIV spent all the money, fought all the wars with all the different people, tried to expand France, and it put them in a bad fiscal position. Right, So what he decided was, I'm going to teach this kid about how to handle all this fiscal responsibility and teach him the right way, the opposite of Louis XIV. So years go by, and in 1723, Louis XV gets declared as a king because he now has finally become of age. So the regency, the committee of 14 people that we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. they're gone now. Now the king is rules and the king has absolute power and one of his first decisions is to say hey the Duke of Orleans guy he's actually a pretty smart dude I want him in charge of my state affairs I want him to run the country for me pretty much here's the problem the Duke of Orleans dies he dies that year he dies the same year that he t- that Louis XV takes over so cardinal Fleury, who was the babysitter the the tutor says loves everyone says to louis the 15th hey bro i want you to make your cousin the duke of bourbon your new head of affairs head of state affairs okay this is when things start to go a little bit south for Louis the 15th. Are, are you are you with me now?
0: How old is Louis the 15th right now?
1: He is I'm picturing uh,
0: him being like 13 years old.
1: Say, no, he's in he's in his early 20s. You, okay. You're probably looking at 23, 24 years old. All right. All right. So are you with me? We have Louis the we have Louis Do you like the, my drawing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm doodling this out so I can remember. She has she has stick figures with little pope hats and and little <laughs> crowns. <laughs> All right,
0: So I have got I've got Fleury who says, I love everyone. Right. And then I have number 15 Louis saying, I love me. Right.
1: That's, you're doing a great job. <laughs> you're, you're doing a great job. So we have King Louis the fifteenth. He assumes the role of king and- And he,
0: he wants to make bourbon. He makes the, in, his cousin,
1: uh, the Duke of Bourbon, the, in charge of his state affairs. Okay. So now the Duke of Bourbon taking over for the Duke of Orleans- Decides. Oh man, that House of Orleans, the guy, the, the 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 family from which the Duke of Orleans came from. I don't want them taking power from me or the king. Should the king die? So he decides. Um, we need to get you an heir, and I want to prevent the the Duke of Orleans from or or the Orleans family from getting in the throne. Okay. So, yeah, they try to find a whole bunch of different um, p- suitors or uh, queens or girls to, to match up with Louis.
0: Ladies in waiting? Right. I don't know. So,
1: you know, Louis the, the 15th, he, he was a frail boy and he was frail in his early age. And he had- What do you mean frail? Like he was just sick a lot. And, like he was a whiner,
0: or he was actually sick.
1: Like he was sick, and he was a little bit of a whiner. And the the, the Duke of Bourbon did have good reason to think that Louis the Fifteenth may die. So they they find this Spanish, you know, princess and things. You know, they they go along and they realize, at least Louis realizes, the Spanish princess who was like eight years younger than than this than the king. She was not only eight years younger, but she's just too young to bear an heir um, to him in a a timely fashion. So the Duke of Bourbon pretty much tells Spain and their princess to go pound sand. And he upsets Spain uh, in a lot of ways. Okay. But what he does do is he finds someone who's a little bit older and he wants to get an heir immediately. Yeah. So he finds Marie Lechinska. Who is the daughter Ooh. of Stanislaw I. Hi. Stanislaw I was the deposed king of Poland. Your people, my love.
0: Barogis. <laughs> Gilbasa. So, But once this
1: happened, and he gets married to Marie Lachinska.
0: Okay. Louis marries Marie Lachinska. Right. Louis XV, young Louis, mm-hmm. frail Louis, marries...
1: Who was found... Marries... Frail Louis marries Marie Lachinska. Okay. Who was found by the Duke of Bourbon. Yes. Okay, great. She is the daughter of Stanislav I, who was the deposed king of Poland. What
0: do you mean deposed? Meaning he
1: was no longer the king of Poland.
0: Who took it over?
1: Uh, not, not important. Not Not important. We're going to get bogged down in details here.
0: So is she a princess or not?
1: So she's a princess... But it's kind of like, all right, it's kind of like when the Stuarts fell in England and the Hanoverians took over, Uh the Stuarts are still a royal family, but they're not in power. You know what I mean? Okay. So it'd be like a daughter of one of the Stuarts saying, hey, I'm a princess. Technically, she's not, but okay, she is. Okay, it's
0: like marrying a Kennedy. Like, you're kind of a big deal, but you're kind of not.
1: <laughs> yes, there you go. Okay. There you go. This is why you're amazing. <laughs> so, he basically marries a Kennedy. Okay. okay? that's that's what happened. You're, you're political royalty, yeah. but you're not necessarily in power. Okay. So, in the meantime, the Duke of Bourbon, when he gets the, um, Louis XV married... Everybody loves Louis Fifteenth because they're getting an heir, and the king is, is old now, and he's getting married, and everything is great. In the meantime, however, the Duke of Bourbon is doing things that are just not right.
0: Oh, my God. I knew it. See, I drew him with cigarettes and sunglasses. <laughs> I knew he was going to be
1: shady. So- he started making some serious economic decisions that were not panning out for them. He started creating social problems in France, like persecuting Protestants, he was manipulating money, he was creating new taxes, and he was making prices of food go up. It, it started Why? It, because the, the, the king wanted the, not the king, but the the monarchy needed more money. So once Louis XV sees what Bourbon is doing,
0: mm-hmm.
1: he kicks him out. Yeah. He makes the right decision. He says, no, you know what? Fleury told me how to handle things and you're not doing the right deal here. So Bourbon lasts from 1723 till 1726 for three years. And he gets kicked out. Who does the king select to be in charge of his state affairs after? King uh, The Duke of Bourbon. You know who?
0: is it someone i already know or yes, someone new It is. New? marie
1: no it is cardinal cardinal flory
0: oh okay it's babysitter
1: it's no longer bishop flory he is now cardinal flory and cardinal flory decides he decides he will take on this role and he will run the state affairs for france and you know what from 1726 until the guy dies in 1743 it was the most peaceful and prosperous period of the reign of louis the 15th okay he did an amazing job
0: good job cardinal Fleury.
1: and here's how Fleury relates to scotland under Fleury's rule in scotland um, in, in france one of the most important figures in french economics was actually a scottish economist this scottish economist his name is john law And John Law was a pretty smart dude. He believed that money was a means of exchange that did not constitute wealth in itself and that the national wealth depended on trade. Do you know what that sounds like? It sounds a lot like us. It sounds a lot like forward thinking. Money isn't necessarily wealthy in itself. It's the trade of money. The money that you get today, it's a paper bill. it's a cloth bill, it's not paper. That cloth bill has no inherent value. That cloth bill is only valuable because the United States government says it's backed by its value in gold or other precious metals that it's contain- that, that is contained by the United States government, right? Yeah, okay. This is what John Law is pretty much saying. At the time, they're saying, hey, here's a gold piece. I want X, Y, Z. Here's some gold. John Law is saying, no, 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 no. It's not about gold. It's about the exchange of value, uh-huh. not the piece itself. Uh-huh. So that's what he's pretty much saying. He gets so popular.
0: John Law our John,
1: John Law. That Flory makes this guy the controller of general of finances under France. He pretty much runs all of French finan- fi- finances. He institutes a private bank, but three quarters of the capital consisted of government bills and government accepted notes, effectively making it the first central bank. A first central bank, like um, a-, a bank that is run by the government of France. He creates the first national bank of France. He created credit. He created paper money exchange for gold bullion like we talked about. So then we had a little bit of a problem once this all started going down. It's kind of like kind of like the real estate boom in the, in the United States and the fall of the real estate boom in the United States in 2008. You know how we, how they ha- how they called it a real estate bubble? Yes. Okay. People started being overconfident in the pay, in the exchange of paper money for gold and it led to like this crazy amount of money being exchanged and debts started to happen Kind of like the United States in the in the real estate boom houses were overvalued and people were paying too much money for that overvalue mm-hmm. Same thing started happening with John Law. People started overvaluing the paper money and they started paying more money to get more money. They were borrowing and they were paying extra like extra interest. Okay. And people the the money that was being exchanged was no longer worth the money that was actually valued at like the American real estate boom, this paper money boom in France, it burst.
0: Uh-oh.
1: And it sent the French economy into huge dire straits. Huge dire straits. What
0: what time frame are we in right now? We're like
1: 1726, 1730.
0: Okay, so a lot of people are poor. A lot of people are hungry. Right. They're losing their mortgages.
1: Right. So, so now Flurry, the guy who's in charge of the state affairs, uh-huh. he decides I'm going to fix this up. I'm, that's it. I've had enough. We're gonna we're, John Law, you're out. Aww. I'm going to fix this myself. So, Flurry decides. We're gonna make a standard currency. We're gonna get we're gonna fix the French credit. We're gonna get we're gonna pay regular interest on national debt, and then we're gonna we're gonna make actually make a surplus of money as opposed to the huge fifteen, seventeen, twenty million dollar deficit that we have. We're gonna make a surplus. So what does Fleury do? He decides, I'm gonna get forced labor, I'm gonna um I'm gonna get them from the peasants in France, we're gonna build roads, we're gonna we're gonna
0: wait. Forced labor, labor like slaves.
1: K- uh, kind of, kind of. Like you're not being paid. Like uh, you're being paid, but a very small amount.
0: That's not nice, Flurry. No, it's not. You were but, supposed to love everyone. But
1: he, what he does is he builds all these different kinds of roads. He builds infrastructure. He recuperates the military after all the problems that happened with Louis the Fourteenth after all of his expansionist policies. And you know what? The company, the 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 country, and the nation it prospered in fact he flurry balances the budget finally in 1738 and he expands the government and he expands the spending of the government communications were improved by the completion of like the San, the Saint Quentin canal which which links certain rivers and in 1738 he extended rivers into the lower countries and he built a national road network And by the middle of the 18th century, France had the most modern and extensive road network in the world. In the world. Like, you know how how they say all all roads lead to Rome? Yeah. No, no, no. All roads led to France at this time. And as a matter of fact, the national highways that Flory built with this forced labor from the peasants, Mm -hmm. they're still in use today. And they stretched from Paris to the most distant borders of France.
0: Yeah, because uh, peasants needed to go home after they did their jobs.
1: All right, so are you with me now? Yes. So they, he gets married. They try to get an heir. Yeah, he, he
0: Duke hasn't bourbon had a baby dies. yet. What's going they on? They haven't huh?
1: had the baby yet, whatever. Flurry takes over. John Law comes in and tries to do some cool stuff, but it fails. Flurry comes in, takes over again. Saves the day. Saves the day and makes the country where it is, in 1740 or so. So how
0: much time has gone by since the wedding?
1: Uh, so the wedding happened in 1726, mm-hmm. and it's now 1740-ish.
0: And no baby? Uh, I thought that was like their goal from day well, one. Well,
1: listen, here's the issue that's going to that's gonna start happening. So we're going to have this problem with actually who we were just talking about, which is the Lachinsky girl. Yes, and her Marie. father, Stanislav I. Okay, Cardinal Fleury decides, I want to help this guy's father-in-law out. And I want to help out his daughter. And I want to help out my king. What I want to do is I want to restore them to Poland. I want to restore them to Polish hierarchy, the throne.
0: I'm confused. Okay, Fleury says, I want to help out Marie.
1: Yep. And I want to help out Stanislav. So I want to get them back in power in Poland. But he also, Flurry, wanted to get this place called the the area of the Duchy of Lorraine, right? It's a it's an area of France, like the Alsace Lorraine. It's an it's like a Massachusetts, okay? It's just an area of France, and he wanted to get that from its duke. So what he wanted to do, what he ended up doing, was this: that duke, Francis the Third, who was in charge of Lorraine. Mm-hmm. This guy was going to get married to Maria Theresa of Austria. Okay. Now, Maria Theresa was the daughter of the Holy Roman Emperor. So, the, 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 she was the, pretty much a person that was like really, really sought after. And you want to know who Maria Theresa is?
0: I would love to know.
1: She is the mother of Marie Antoinette. Okay. Eventually. Okay. But this lady is going to come into power of Austria, and she's backed by the Holy Roman Empire. All right. This, the if... There's two Maries. Well, there's Marie Lichinski, who was... The Polish the, girl. The Polish girl, and then there's, now there's Maria, who is Austrian. Maria. Okay. Okay. Now, if this is the case... The, the 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 area of lorraine would be brought under the power of austria okay because she the the, the lady who was in charge of austria potentially is now going to be married to the guy who rules lorraine and that would become an austrian province more than likely mm-hmm. but this is a problem for france because austria and france don't get along and Lorraine is really close to all these big, beautiful, brand new roads that Flory just built. All right? So there's a huge problem here. So,
0: so why, would, why would Austria be in charge of Lorraine?
1: Because the person who's going to take over Austria mm-hmm. is getting married to the guy who's in charge of Lorraine, like the area of Lorraine.
0: Because Maria is in charge of Lorraine or Maria is in charge of Austria?
1: She's in charge of Austria, and she's getting married to the guy who's in charge of Lorraine. Of Lorraine. Okay. okay? And if this is a problem for Paris, and this is a problem for Fleury and the King and all this stuff that's going on. All right. So in seventeen forty, Maria of Austria takes power finally. And we have what now what's considered pretty much the first real world war. It's called the War of Austrian Succession. Why is the War of Austrian Succession important? Because the, the War of Austrian Succession got so many countries involved. It, got, it like Here's an idea. France was fighting Austria. And France had this many countries on its side. It had France, mm-hmm. Prussia, Spain... Bavaria, which is German, Mm -hmm. Saxony, Naples, which is uh, at the time, it's now part of Italy, obviously, but at the time it was its own country, Genoa, which is now part of Italy, and Sweden. Mm -hmm. Austria had England or Great Britain, Hanover, which is uh, German, the Dutch, Saxony eventually, Sardinia and Russia. That's nearly 10 countries involved in this war. And why is that important to what's happening in Outlander? Because this starts to take place in 1740. And England sends all of their troops over to Austria to fight. Well,
0: that's not nice.
1: And what happens in 1745 while they're fighting this huge war?
0: While England is fighting over in Austria against France, Mm -hmm. the Jacobites.
1: The Jacobite rebellion happens and the Jacobites are able to get in to England and traverse all the way down almost right to London because there were no more troops essentially left in England because they're in the war of Australia of Austrian succession. Okay. It took King George himself to go to his cousin and say, Hey Lord Cumberland, I need you to come back from Austria so the Jacobites don't kick our ass and stop this war immediately and that's Mm -hmm. what they eventually end up doing Mm -hmm. right so this is how this the war of Austrian succession relates to outlander and France because France has decided France has decided I want this area of France to be under my control but it can't because this this Austrian princess is going to take control of it so it's throwing its hat in the battle to say no we are going to do what we're going to do which helps cause this conflict that sends England against France and helps further the Jacobite cause, right? Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you understand where I am? Yeah. Okay. Ultimately, this big war happens, but Fleury, who's in charge of the French state of affairs, like we said, he wants peace, but he also wants his own way. And he has just, he's getting old by this point. He He dies soon thereafter. And he just, he just can't, he just can't fight the the, the the inevitability of this war. So it started renewing all these conflicts mm-hmm. that started in King Louis XIV's reign. Everything that Flory taught King Louis XV is now going out the window. The fifteen starts to act like fourteen.
0: Just because of the war.
1: Started because of the war. This is when it all starts to go down. So, the, France enters the war. The war lasts for seven years over this fight, over Australian, Austrian succession. Flory obviously did not see the end of the war. So, after Flory's death in 1743, the king, King Louis XV, decides, you know, I don't need a, I don't need a person in charge of my state affairs anymore. I'm going to run this my way. And I'm going to run this whole thing by myself. So now 1743 is here. Now we're in current outlander time, okay? Mm-hmm. Which allows the Jacobites to go to England because of the war and start running train on the English. All right. Eventually, the, uh, the war of Aust- Austrian succession is won by the French. They win it. They finally win it. But you know what happens? <laughs> they say, hey, Maria, you can still become queen. You can do what you want to do. And despite the fact that Louis the Fifteenth won, he wanted to appear as like this guy who issues peace and he wanted to be an arbiter and he didn't want to be known as a conqueror. So he agrees to take all the things and all the places that he won and all the conquests that he had in this war, this seven year war that they spent a ton of money on mm-hmm. and says, <laughs> you know what? I'll just give it back to everybody. You can all have it back. He is quoted by saying, I'm the king of France, and I'm not a shopkeeper. And he felt content to rule his little kingdom that he he was created. And he was happy to do it. But just because he thought it was a good idea, Mm -hmm. it didn't mean that his people thought it was a good idea. So now we are in 1748. 1748. The war has ended. We are just after, well, three or four years after Culloden, okay? hmm Great. To relate why France was helping the Jacobites, it's, it's relatively straightforward. There's a huge Scottish presence in France. We already saw that with John Law, mm-hmm. right? There's other Scottish... Um, Clansmen high high ups that are there they have connections to France. France is a natural ally to Scotland because France and England have never gotten along. They wanted to promote not only their their issues with Austria and making sure that their borders on that side were taken care of, but they also wanted to make sure that England was taken care of too. So it's a natural ally for King Louis the 15th to support. Yes. Which is why he agrees To help our our boy, Bonnie Prince Charlie, Mm -hmm. run train on England. Because while England is off fighting the War of Austrian Succession, King Louis XV sees the opening to put England out of its misery and says, I'm going to help the Scottish put England out of its misery. And we're going to give them the tools. We're going to give them the troops. We're going to give them the support that they need. The problem that they had was that they got themselves too invested into the Austrian War of Succession. All of the money, all of the troops, all of the ships, it started going to that because it was really the world's first world war. It was, it was this massive, massive conflict. You, I, I, can't, I know you, the listener, and you, my love, have never heard of this war, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. But this was a massive undertaking. So he couldn't afford to give the troops that he that he promised the Bonnie Prince Charlie. He couldn't give them. And the troops that he did send to help Bonnie Prince Charlie, mm-hmm. it was actually recently discovered that the ships that the, he sent them on, they capsized in the in the channel.
0: Oh.
1: They they died. They sank. That's why Bonnie Prince Charlie never gets the help that he, he was promised. Yep. Because the ships freaking sank. All the things that could have gone wrong for Bonnie Prince Charlie did, despite the fact that King Louis Fifteenth, who recognized the ability and recognized the necessity to help him, despite all that, it still didn't happen. So just because King Louis XV decides, hey, this is a great idea, I'm going to give back all this stuff. I'm going to be seen as a peacemaker. That doesn't mean that his French people like this idea. Oh. Okay. So his military and his people started saying, you know what? This guy, we just did all of this. We fought all these people. We, all these people die. We poured all this money into it. We're now in financial debt. The money That Flory had as a surplus that when he fixed the economy is now gone. We are now back into the time of when John Law was running this country economically. We are now back in huge debt. What are we doing? Giving all this land up. Why? What are you doing? Oh, man. So once when the king news had gotten out that he restored all these lands to Austria and and the Netherlands and all these places, people were pissed. Mm -hmm. They were upset. Because
0: they're saying, what do we fight that war for?
1: What are we doing here? (laughs) Inevitably, the war comes again because Prussia, who France was fighting with, decides, you know what? Screw it. Oh my God! You know I'm just gonna go back. I'm gonna go back to war with all these people because because France has decided to give all this land back, and that was a really stupid move. I want that land now. So Prussia goes to war against Austria and drags France back into war. Why? Because France is its borders on Austria and Prussia, Ugh. so they need to get back into the war. And this was just bad news. This was bad news for King Louis the Fifteenth. And it did not go well for France, by the way. So the financial strain imposed by all these wars and the excesses of the royal court and Louis XV thinking he was amazing and womanizing and getting all these people in his court and doing everything. Oh my God. All of these things start to really go poorly for him. And then the French people decided after King Louis the XVI
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and King Louis Sixteenth continues the policies of King Louis the 15th. Yeah. They decide, that's it, bro. I can't take this monarchy anymore. I can't take it. And the French Revolution begins in 1789. Okay. All right. So the things that happened with this Austrian War of Succession lead pretty much directly and as a result of things that King Louis the 15th did, of course, it was helped by King Louis the 16th who did a lot of stupid bad shit that leads to one of the most historical events in Western society, which is the French Revolution. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, historians look back at Louis XV, and they say that, uh, one historian in particular, Colin Jones, says the military disasters of the Seven Years' War and the Austrian succession led to the acute state financial crisis. And ultimately, he writes that Louis XV failed to overcome these fiscal problems mainly because he was incapable of putting together conflicting parties and interests in his entourage. Everyone was telling him one thing to do. And he couldn't he couldn't reconcile them. He couldn't get one peop, one group of people to be happy about this or one group of happy to, people to be happy about that. And although, although he was aware of people around him becoming unhappy with the monarchy, and people were threatening the bourbon family rule, he didn't do anything to stop them. He was just too preoccupied with whatever was in front of him. He was a weak ruler of the Bourbons. He pretty much was a do-nothing king who left his affairs to state ministers while he was indulging in his hobbies of hunting and womanizing and eating and drinking. He was too preoccupied. Of course, there are people that do support him. They do think that he was a handsome young man and that he did do what he was supposed to do. He was athletic, and he was he was careful with his words, and he did manipulate court. But ultimately, people feel that he was a failure. King Louis the Fifteenth, who we will be seeing in Outlander, was a failure due to inexperience and manipulation by the people who were who were handling him. He blamed everybody else for everything that was happening around him. And he ignored famines and crises of the nation and, and things that were happening at that time. And, of course, this all <laughs> ultimately ends, the monarchy ultimately ends uh, at, the, at the hands of King Louis XVI, who continued this style lifestyle with Marie Antoinette. And they famously get beheaded at French court with a guillotine. And then we, we lead to the rest of the, the French history, which we already talked about in the beginning of this podcast. So you can see how things were great for a long time. And then all of a sudden, because of these wars, in particular, the the War of Aust- Austrian Succession, <laughs> France starts to fall apart in a big way. And it leads to the French Revolution and eventually leads to the, the French Empire. And that is the context for what you will be seeing in season two of Outlander.
0: So, <clears throat> Louis XV's babysitter Fleury, who mm-hmm. made the world a good place some in some ways- For France, yes. For France, dies right before we start Outlander.
1: Yes, he dies. And
0: so, a couple of years later, King Louis the Fifteenth has been like, whatever, I'm just going to do this by myself. And he can't. And he's not really good at it, and he's just having a grand old time being king, and this is when Jamie comes into play.
1: Right. And, and Claire. Th- there's, there's still- they're still they still got a lot of money. They still have they still have things going on. They're still rich in art, still rich in music, they still have the the national power that they held under Fleury, because this is just the beginning. Fleury dies in 1743. Now the war has started already. The war for Austrian succession starts in 1741. It's already going on. England is already fighting it. Mm-hmm. France is already fighting it. But it's not as heavily involved. As it will be later on, OK? which eventually leads to the Jacobites going into England and run and train on those guys. So what Jamie and Claire are stepping into is France at its height of power, and France at its most decadent, at France, like early 1920s America. It's like gilded. It's like it look, everything looks great. You have the Newport Mansions. You know you have all these people running railroads and iron companies and steel companies, oil companies. Everything looks great, but it's not because it's it's crumbling on the inside. It's all again. I'll make this. I'll make this uh, notion too. It's a lot like the financial crisis in two thousand eight. Everything looks great. The houses are all. They all have this great value. All the houses are worth double what they're supposed to be. Everyone's really happy, right? Mm, nope, not really because. It's all inflated. And that's what France is right now. This is right before the collapse. And that's what Jamie and Claire are walking into.
0: And he's married. Little King Louis the Fifteenth is married right. to Marie. Marie. And he's rich. He's rich. The war has started, but right. don't worry about it too much because we still have lots of money. Right. He loves Scots.
1: Loves Scotsmen.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's what Jamie's wa- and Claire are walking into. That's
1: right. Do you have any other questions? Anything that we need to clarify? Do you think, my love?
0: Um,
1: no, no, I'm feeling really good. That's. I. I think so too. So that is the context in which I just feel you're like into.
0: France has climbed a mountain, and during this time frame, <laughs> they're about to fall back down.
1: Big time. Okay. Big time, and it, and it all, and it, it all, uh, it, it it culminates with the French Revolution. In the 1780s. Okay. So this is the beginning of that fall, which will lead to the French Revolution. But then uh, another comeuppance or another recuperation of France under Napoleon. Napoleon actually puts France in. Again, remember how I said you could make the argument that France was at its most powerful under Napoleon. And there's something to be said there. Napoleon is one of the world's greatest leaders. And he was France after this. So they do come back. But this was the beginning of the end. It was the beginning of the end of the monarchy. It was the beginning of the end for the Bourbon family because once the once the empire comes into play, they say, "Oh no, no, we don't want the empire anymore. We want the republic." Oh no, the republic sucks. We want the monarchy. Oh no, 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 that that sucks. We want the empire again. No, oh, no, 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 that that sucks. We want the republic again. They couldn't make up their minds.
0: But in regards to Scotland and England, yep. How how does uh, King Louis the Fifteenth feel?
1: So King Louis the 15th is not a fan of England. He's Obviously, not. He's yes. just not and he's a fan of Scotland. And that's why he supports Bonnie Prince Charlie. Because he knows while things are going on over here on his right hand with Austria, his left hand, while nobody sees it, he's going to support them so that they can go ahead and take out go, go ahead and hopefully take out England and reestablish the Stuart line in England. Because the Stuart line was friendly with the French. And, by the way, who was in France at this time wasn't... It was not necessarily Bonnie Prince Charlie. It was the great pretender. It was his father, James III. James III was the guy who was said he was running England from the shores of France. So he wants... King Louis XV wants the Stuarts back in power because he has a connection to the Stuarts. He can have an influence on the Stuarts. And he they, he knows that if I reestablish the Stuarts in England, they're going to owe me a favor. Yep. And oh, getting a favor from England at this time is a big effing deal.
0: From Scotland, you mean? Getting a favor from Scotland?
1: Well, no. getting Because he wants to take the Scottish... Line of kings who are the Stuarts yes. and put them on the English throne, put them back oh, on okay, the English throne. Okay. And if he succeeds, he knows England owes me a favor, and, a, and an English favor is a big effing deal, right? Mm-hmm. So that's that's how it all goes down, and that's why he is where he is.
0: I'm feeling pretty good with this. I'm glad that
1: you uh, you're feeling good about it. Uh, anything else? Any other questions? Nothing. That's it. All right, my love. Are you ready to get into this outlandish theory of the week? I am. All right. <laughs>
0: This segment is brought to you by Claire McKay from Outlander Herbal, onset herbalist to the TV series. If you are going to be in New York for Tartan Week this April, be sure to join her for afternoon tea and herbal masterclass on April 7th. Ooh. So incredibly cool. Oh, my gosh. I, I just actually, love that. That actually
1: sounds really cool. Yeah. I really want to go, actually.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe she'll let us in, hopefully. I know. I know. Check out <laughs> www.outlanderherbal.com dot com for details and let her know that us marion blake sent you (laughs) that's right who knows maybe we'll go
1: maybe you might see us there i don't know
0: (laughs) that sounds really really cool
1: i'm really into this outlandish theory of the week now like this is like i think this might be my first official outlandish theory of the week
0: of season two of season two okay bring it
1: all right you ready for my first outlandish theory of the week yes all right jamie and claire are going to go to france obviously they are there we know that But when they get there, nothing is going to happen. You want to know why? Tell me. Because Jamie and Claire have always gone to France. They have always been there. Jamie and Claire is a part of the history of France. Meaning what happens or what happened always happened. Hmm. Claire has always gone back to Scotland. Claire has always met Jamie. Claire has always met Jamie and gone to, gone to France and tried to change the history of, of the Jacobites. And ultimately, they fail. Mm-hmm. That's because it's part of this history. And that's how I think the time travel in this show works. It works similar to like Lost, where no matter what, what happened, happened.
0: Not and like Star Trek.
1: Not like Star Trek. Not like X-Men. You know, not like um, Back to the Future. Mm-hmm. None of that. You know, you're not going to see Jamie there with a disappearing hand while he's playing a guitar, okay? (laughs) It's not going to happen. What you'll see is that Jamie was always a part of French history, as was Claire. And that is my first official outlandish theory of the week. Are you happy with that one? I am. I think I'm happy with that one, too. All right, let's call this one a quit.
0: Please hang up
1: and try again. All right, my love, are you ready to close out this show, this this wonderful Emmy Award winning? Actually, we are now Tony winning, too. Uh, we, we we were just recently nominated for a Marconi Award, too. Uh, okay. But we won a Tony recently, I just, sure. just, just, just so you all know. Are you ready to close out this I, Tony Award winning yes, show? Yes, I am.
0: <laughs> all right, let's do it. Are you excited for season two of Outlander? Because I know I sure am. I am on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Snapchat is new this season. And so is Periscope, guys. Yes. And guess what? Handles are all the same, Outlander cast. So on Snapchat, you'll get to see some little behind-the-scenes things of Blake and I. I, get to see more of our kids that we talk about. And on <laughs> Periscope, we will be scoping some of our live shows. So you'll want to make sure to head on over to all of those handles, whichever is best for you. And make sure that you reach out and let us know that, that you're there and that you are listening because we really appreciate all of you.
1: That's right. You can find all of those handles, everything, even the Periscope, over at Outlander cast. And if those things aren't even enough for you, you want to get in touch with us, you can always reach us at OutlanderCast at gmail.com. And I just want to let you know, as a matter of fact, that our next episode coming up will be a, in fact, Periscoped live. And it will be Mary, Mary and I talking about our five favorite things from Outlander season one. And we will be live casting this. It will happen at the end of the month. We will let you know about the date. And also another announcement... We will also be live casting an hour before the premiere. And it won't just necessarily be Mary and I. All of the staff writers from the blog, the Outlander Cast blog, will be joining us as well. I think we're going to call this the Clans Meeting. How's that? Or the Clan Gathering. (laughs) I think that's a great idea. We're going to call it the Clan (laughs) Gathering. That's it. The official title of this live cast (laughs) on April 9th, an hour before the premiere begins, is the Clan Gathering of the Outlander Cast group.
0: I love it. I'm
1: really excited about this. Okay,
0: so if you're really excited about season two, about Outlander, Let's get all of our friends who don't even know about this show yet, what the hell's wrong with them? Let's get them involved. Let's get the community involved. Head on over to iTunes and write us a rating and review. It means so much. One of the most recent ones was by Lisa Dawn, and she said, I'm not only looking forward to Outlander season two, but I'm Looking forward to the Outlander cast episodes that will follow. These podcasts have become an important part of my Outlander viewing experience. Thanks, you two. And thank you, Lisa. Thank you, Jakey Panda. Thank you, Rhonda Medic. And thank you, Denise Stewart. You guys have been awesome in our most recent reviewers. And it really means the absolute world to Blake and I when you guys take the time to review because it not only makes us feel good, but it exposes us to the iTunes community. And that means it's exposing Outlander.
1: That's right. And you're exposing Outlander. And another way I want you to help. Expose Outlander in us is to just tell a friend that we, the show Outlander cast, exists, but also that the show Outlander exists. You can do that on Twitter, on Facebook, just or you can just send smoke signals to your friends. I don't really care, just let them know that we all exist. If we are a good enough companion for your experience in Outlander. If you liked this episode, you liked the context, or you liked our interviews that we normally do, please tell someone that we exist. Another way that you can help us is to go on our website and click the little button that says support. You can donate a dollar or two or make a one-time payment on PayPal or go on Patreon and help keep this a free podcast. That would be great. I would like to do that for all of you. In the meantime, my love,
0: I think that's it. You got anything else? That's it. Until next time, ladies and gents, I'm Mary Larson. My name's Blake. And you've been listening to Outlander Cast.
1: A super badass episode of Outlander Cast. (laughs) (laughs) Tony nominated. No, no, Tony winning episode of Outlander
0: cast Because it was just you talking forever. I didn't talk for you talk too. A little bit. I drew pictures. Sorry. <laughs> Stick figures. I'll put them on Facebook. I'm a history geek. You're
1: supposed to rein me in. Did I, I, did I do a good job? We'll find out.
0: Oh my god.
1: Hopefully, Please, everyone, <laughs> make me feel better about myself and prove Mary wrong. Tell her that this episode rocks. I rocked. think you did
0: good. Thank <laughs> you. I just think my pictures are better.
1: <laughs> we, we should actually tweet those out. But you know what? I think that's a good idea. i'm gonna put this I'm gonna put them on the show notes. <laughs> All right. Let's close this bad boy out. Bye, guys. bye.